Welcome back to Who the Fuck Are These Guys? How are you, Mako Shark? Matty C, here we go again, and we are back for another big one. I'm doing quite well, mate. How are you? Under duress, under a little bit of duress. Had the big night, the big night, the gas. <laughs> Probably had, are you, uh, had an extra hour and a half and four too many bourbons. You're a little bit dusty, are you, Matthew? Yeah, well, I was in, you know, in the office looking at the big two work screens at fucking 7.30. I, uh, a little bit dusty road. Dusty road, baby. American dream, if you will. Yeah, I'm a bit sort of off. Too, I'm, I'm a bit off kilter, Mako Shark, with it being a, a, a Thursday we're recording. We're normally basking in the plaudence of another big episode by now. So it's just, it's throwing me. It's late in the week. I'm a bit, you know, it's episode 26. Episode 26, episode 26. not like your average week, mate. You're right. We're, we're David Grenvold. Grenvold. Tom Hawkins, the big man, the big oily Tom, big T-bone, the big Easter Tom, 26. My it's, an oily, it's an oily episode. I reckon we should it's have It's going to be up. an oily, oily episode this week, mate. Hey, uh, how are you mate, doing? Yeah, go. Look, I'm all right. As I said, you've had a big night. I had a big night. Our guest coming up also had a big night. We've all had big nights. It's been a great, sort of a great week, really, but... Uh, Look, well, we're you, a you day behind about our schedule. We are a day. I was just going to say, we, we never get to actually meet, the, unless we've known them, but we don't meet them pre-pod mm. and we don't get on the gas with them. He mm. was drinking responsibly. We were punting responsibly. And look why I'm on that wrong. I'm going to go with the thanks to our sponsors and great partners at Palmabet, as mm. I said, when uh, we're punting Mako Shark and we were punting last night. We were doing so responsibly, were we not? We were always gambling responsibly with our boys, Palmer Bet. They, uh, they, they were great last night. They come to the table. They're favourite podcasters. They hooked us up. We'll get to that a bit later on the pod because give it was a little a big review night. for them. We're going to give it. We're going to give it the proper credit that it. Uh, that it's deserved. the type of night, mate. We've been pumping it up for months. Everyone at home's eager, eager to hear our take on it because it's been on everyone's lips now for months. The big fight, the big fight. But uh, we're not going to get into it yet, Matty, are we? No, no, we're not. I just want to say it's been a massive. Um... A massive week, right? We do this show not as a uh, a financial thing, right? We do it as a fun. But Jesus, this week's felt big. We've done we've done fucking online Instagrams with our great mate uh, Coconut Coconut Tips. Yeah, boy, get on a Coconut so Tips podcast if you're not already. I, it's so man. great to be on someone else's show. It's cool. You can just have a chat. It was great, and he, he, I like what he does. He's got a great formula, and he has great He's gorgeous. Guests. He, he releases yeah. fucking a lot of episodes as well. He's one that's active, so that's why we all get along. But We've had that, then we've had the actual the fight last night. Now we're podcasting. We're, we've got a guest coming up. Like it's it, this has been a tell you what for not making much squid. It's it's a big week for a fight. Uh, tell podcast, you if you're uh, anyone it? out there's a anyone out there's a Seinfeld fan. If I had a collar right now, I'd be fucking like Tony. I'd be fucking flipping the collar and I'd be flipping the Ooh, shoulders around it. like Tony. I'd be feeling real nice about myself. It's been a big week, Maddie. And oh, let's yeah. not fuck it, around too much. No, no, you go. You, go. you, you no, you no go. lead us in. I was going to say we'll talk about um, we'll talk a bit, a little bit about the uh, the 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 live Instagram later because that may may or may not have caused a ruckus. Mm. Um, yeah, and yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about that in our little uh, fight night review later. But um, I I don't reckon we fuck around. We'll have a lot of new listeners this week with a guest this mm. size. So maybe mm. you uh, tell the listeners what to expect. Who have we got? Uh, what else is coming up in the episode, Mako Shark, and then just lead us in, son. Good on you, mate. mate. We have a fucking big one for all of you at home this week. One of our favourite guests. I'm actually very excited. 
I love all of our guests. Like, don't get me wrong, I love them all, but I was extra excited for this week. Our man, mm. we've been pumping him up since this podcast begins. We've got a few little nicknames. We haven't actually told him personally, but uh, we didn't. If he's listening to this now, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. We've got the man, Jimmy the Brute Croot, the Crudy Pie, the Denny Croot Mustard, Crudus the Barber Beefcake. All of them. Yeah. Anyone That's my take your pick? That's Crudus the, the Barber Beefcake. He's a wrestling fan. We he's should have actually fan. said that. Crudus the Barber Beefcake. He's strutting. Maybe when you uh, upload the photo from the night last night, maybe say Crudus the Barber Beefcake. See if I he will. likes it. I will. I will drop I that. Love um, but he's on the pod. He's a fucking he's a, he's a specimen, this bloke. He is a legitimate Massive 205 man. UFC light heavyweight threat. He's one of the mm-hmm. best in the world. He's one of the best Australians ever produced. He's a hell of a man. He's got one of the most incredible, luxurious mullets that I've ever seen a human being possess. And uh, look, my uh, I, I my young boy's cultivating a Jimmy Crude of his own. He is. Leo's doing yeah. it. He's got a great mentor. I touched it last night. Yeah. My hand feels stronger than ever. So with that being said, Matty, let's jump into him because, as you said, a lot of people are going to be listening. But stick around afterwards because we're going to recap mm. the head splitter, the, the Zarafa fight. We've got some fucking big pump-ups. We've got Arlene Blenkow fighting this week. We're going to talk about it. But uh, Jimmy Crute, our man, here it comes, a nice little chat with the boys. Who would have fuck? Uh, these guys. Here we go, baby. Get Everybody into it. Jimmy Crew. Have you heard? If you're in the game, well, then the stroke's the word. Don't take no rhythm. Don't take no style. Alrighty, who the fuck, listeners? We are back again this week, and we have a hell of a guest on. He is the brute, our man, Jimmy Crute. Thanks for joining us, brother. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, boys. I um, and these two fellas. Uh, was it last night or the night before at the boxing? Got a bit wild, but um... it, it did, didn't it? It got a little bit out of hand. Uh, we had the, the pleasure of maybe uh, joining you for a beverage or two last night at the fights. Yeah, and I don't drink anymore, so I don't know what happened. We uh, we don't ever get to really ever meet our guests before they come on, so it's uh, it's a rarity. But it was good good to meet you last night. And what would you think of the fights? What was your thoughts on the uh, on the boxing last night? You obviously cornered. Yeah, I cornered. Um, um, she fought to a draw. I thought she looked really good. Yeah, yep. um, she had a lot of ring rust. Like she hadn't been in the in the ring for two and a half years, making a pro boxing debut so she's come over from kickboxing and I thought she put on a hell of a fight and um, just that little bit of ring rust I think held her up in the last couple of rounds she got a bit tired in there but she looked unreal and um, yeah Sugar Neggs looked phenomenal yeah it was great you know obviously I, I was not pretty I wasn't, wasn't quiet about rooting for Hardman I was I was, I was going for um, Isaac Hardman yeah you know, man, like you take a step up in competition and that thing, these things happen. Like, mm. I've been there, everyone everyone does that. So he'll come back better because of that. Mate, we weren't shy about our uh, affiliation to the hard man as well. We were up and about. Might have copped a few uh, few knocks along the way because of it. But, yeah, unlucky. These things happen, mate. Like, so, um, Do you think um, in, in your combat sports when you do go up against a guy that's got more experience and has fought, you know, maybe better opponents and has been in it longer. Does that, how quickly does that help, do you think? So he's gone up and obviously the fight ended pretty quick, but does that show in any sort of combat sport, does that show you what you need to be at to obviously make that next step? They call it the rub. It's like, um, what's uh, what's an example? I can't, I'm drawing a blank here, but like, yeah. 
uh, you lose to a to a great fighter and then you get the rub, you understand the level. And yep. um, I'm trying to think of an example, I can't really. Can't really put my finger on one. I've been hung over. Still. Had a few drinks, yeah. that'll do it. <laughs> we should have um, got you before the fights. Yeah. Oh, uh, podcast would be not allowed to air. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but it's the same with everything. Like it's footy and that as well. You, you hear all about the footy teams. They play a real champion team and get smashed. But you take lessons from it, don't you? Like you learn yeah, what level you got to get to. Yep, absolutely. Like, um, I think uh, probably like a good example would be Henry Cejudo when he fought Mighty Mouse, and then yep. made the changes necessary and came back to be one of the greatest. So like, yeah, very good point. Guys have been knocked flat himself back up and come back and do great do great things and probably go further than they would of if they hadn't have had that setback. Yeah, 100%. And it's happened against an opponent of yours, Paul Craig. You beat him and he's gone on and he's one of the guys that's looking like he's one of the most informed guys at the moment in that division. So... Yeah, that's a good way to <laughs> He's in form, mate. Well, we've got you on here, mate. We might as well start with the uh, the latest happenings. Obviously, you're on the shelf for a little while. You've had the knee surgery. Take us through that. What actually happened with the knee and how are we looking? Yeah, so I was just, um, I blew my ACL like three years ago, two and a half years ago or something. Um, I've been fighting with that ACL for like four fights. Um, oh. Fuck. And then I just like kept copping damage and training and then fights and especially in the Anthony Smith fight, like I landed real hard on my, um, even though my left leg got hit, I landed really hard on my right, right knee and sort of never came, like never came good after that. Um, so like wrestling was a massive problem trying to get offensive wrestling going without my knee popping out and mm. just, yeah, it was causing too many issues that I couldn't ignore it anymore. Uh, I sort of got away with it early on in the piece, but the damage just kept accumulating. And yeah, now, so now I'm out for eight months. So I'm, uh, I'm just taking my rehab and stuff really seriously. Um, I'm already, I'm, I'm ahead of schedule. So with our rehab, but I'm just trying not to get too cocky with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to sit back. How many blokes, do you know, like come back that little bit earlier for a Rico and go back to square one again. So yeah. I'm just trying to be like, not too cocky with my rehab, get everything done, don't push the limits too much, but also push the limits a little bit, you know? So, yeah, uh, it's good. It's good. Like, um, I probably need a time off anyway, too. Like, I was feeling really burnt out um, and hadn't had, hadn't had a break. I haven't had a break since I was like 18, I reckon. Mm. So, how um, are you going with the time away from it? As you know, obviously you're still probably doing things um, within the within the gym and doing what you can do with your rehab and stuff. But how are you finding being, I guess, out of sort of going into camp and then getting out and getting straight back in? Do you do you enjoy or are you, are you enjoying this time off, or are you just making you just hungry and hungry to get really back hard. in? It? Yeah, it's really hard. it's really hard to have time off. You know, um, I train three times a day every day. Rain hailish. Like, that's me. I'm always in the gym. And, um, you know, for me, having the training taken away from me in a way, mm. it's a good thing in a way because it's making me focus on other other aspects of my life and um, making me tidy up a few things that I might not be doing or might be doing in um, in, in the outside of um, training. But, yeah, I fucking miss it, man. I really miss it. Um, my knuckles have never been this issue. I saw it. I haven't felt like this since I was coming up on the reef, honestly. 
That's good. It's a good mentality to have. So sometimes, sometimes people have to have a setback to really then propel themselves forward. So in the end, obviously, an ACL a year out is shit, but it might end up being not a blessing, but it might be a good thing, a positive in the end, potentially. I'll, I'll, well, it depends what you turn it into, but I couldn't keep going the way I was going, like, without giving my body time to recover and rest. Like, I was fucking burning out from both ends. Um, so to have, to have nine months, like, an opportunity to take nine months to get everything right doesn't come up. Doesn't come along very often. No. Yep. So you've got to turn into a positive. Um, I, I just look at it as an opportunity to, to to regroup and come back. So I noticed in some of your fights, obviously you had the knee brace on. So you've, you're fighting and training and everything for years with a fucking torn ACL. Is that correct? Yeah, I blew my ACL four weeks before I fought Mihal Luxechek. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> It's incredible. I know Crooksy is incredible. under ACL, so tell yeah. me, I can't believe that even is possible. Yeah, I, I don't know how you've done it. I'm a, I'm a big, heavy man, as you would have seen last night. I couldn't fucking hardly walk, let alone get in and start taking on elite competition from around the world. But yeah. I was going to say, mate, with your knee, you know, the UFC, at, I reckon, at this time is the most fucking well-rounded it's probably ever been. And if you were still able to fight but you hadn't had it fixed, I reckon you were doing yourself a bit of an injustice as well because you couldn't actually do what you really needed to do and it, you don't want to you know, get lo- losses because of an injury that is hindering you. Go, oh, why don't you just wrestle people? You be able to, um, yeah. Like, yeah, I can wrestle, but you try navigating an offensive wrestling um, game plan with a bung knee. <laughs> I can wrestle, but I need them to engage in the wrestle so I can sort of lean on them and, and keep weight off my knee where... You know, fucking char- charging after him and trying to trying to shoot a long long takedown across the cage on uh, on a on a dodgy knee is pretty hard to do. So um, it actually worked in my favour in the Alexei Check fight because it was the opposite. I had to grapple. I couldn't I couldn't take punches standing up because if I got hit on the wrong angle and my foot was in the wrong position, my knee would give out. So it just forced me to fucking grapple heaps. In yeah, that fight. yeah, mate. I was gonna say. Uh... Recently, you put up a post saying this sort of this sort of thing that you are going to go back to your roots and figure out what your strengths are because you are an elite grappler. You're fucking unreal on the mat. You're a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. You're a wrestling fucking behemoth. So this might give you the uh, the tools just to concentrate on your strengths a little bit and like just focus and maybe not get fall in love with the striking too much. Some blokes might do that. Right, and I've, I, it happens. Uh, you know, when you start knocking people out, you start thinking that you're a striker, and I'm. <laughs> And you are, you are, but... But, but man, the, the, so is everyone else. Everyone else in the UFC is a very good striker. Yep. And I'm, I'm going to say this, none of the fucking pricks can grapple, probably except for Paul Craig and Glover DeShera. None of yep. them can grapple. So why why am I trying to beat people at their own strength? I yep. have a yep. gap in my grappling ability compared to everyone else in the division. Why aren't I playing to my strengths? Why am I letting people in with their chance? I couldn't yeah. agree more, mate. And I was going to say, I just rewatched the uh, fight against Paul Craig recently, just doing my due diligence before we spoke to you. But, mate, that was fucking high level. Paul Craig's one of the best grapplers in the entire UFC, in that division especially. And you fucking outworked him for three rounds. So, like, yeah. mate, people, people shouldn't be sleeping on the crew, I wouldn't have thought, on the ground. People people didn't realise that I've been doing... I've been grappling since I was eight years old. And I was a phenom at grappling. Like, I was... If I had to just strictly focus on jiu-jitsu, I, I would have been one of the guys that go all the way out of this country. So, uh-huh. um, like, I 
I, I feel like I probably have the best grappling in the light heavyweight division. Um, probably, probably the only one that's probably got better grappling than me is Glover Deshera. Yeah. I just want go... positioning. Do you go back now when you've got some time and do you watch? Are you someone that goes back and looks at vision and tries to fix mistakes that you might have made in fights or are you someone that looks ahead and just tries to better yourself every day and obviously get your rehab right and not worry about what's happened in the past? Yeah, I'm super self-critical. I'll, uh, yeah. like, cause I like... Because people say, like, you get all these negative comments and people are like, well, why doesn't it affect you? I go, because I'm fucking saying way worse shit to myself every day. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No one can say harsher things than I've already said to myself when I look look at performances that I'm not happy with or whatever. So um, I'm super self-critical, but in, I think that comes back to bite me on the ass a little bit because I will try and fix things that don't need to be fixed. And it'll, like um, so yeah. after the Smith, all these changes, and it was definitely not the right changes to make, but I thought, I'm like, oh, I've got to fucking change something because it didn't work. And I actually... I don't feel like I really needed to change much against me. So, um, I don't think so. Um, there, there are definitely a few things, but like I didn't have to make massive changes. I made these massive changes and I feel like my game just fucking dropped off a little bit because of that. So it's a hard thing for me to not be too overcritical and try and train, like try and reinvent the wheel over and over again. But, um, it's a good thing because it keeps me, keeps me working hard. There's some sliding door moments with the UFC, I reckon. And like in that fight, if you didn't get that like that kick to that, was it the perennial nerve or whatever it is, and you know, hinder that performance and you know not be able to get the win there. And you see what happened with he he got went on and had some big fights and some wins, and then obviously, you know, it, it must drive and give you real real hunger to like get back in and because you you know you can hang with these guys, so it must that must be also helping with the rehab. Yeah, exactly, man. Like the. There is no, and I'll say this with the utmost respect, but there is no reason in the world, there is no reason why I couldn't have beat Anthony Smith that night and there's no reason in the world that I couldn't have beat Jamal Hill. Um, there is no reason in the world why I, I shouldn't be top three right now, you know, so or top five at least. So, um, yeah, definitely, like, you talk about, talking about the rub, like, it, it works in both ways. Like, I've experienced that level now and I know that I'm I'm right there. I just got to start performing to it. I really want to talk about that Smith fight, mate. Me and Crooksy were watching that at a pub here in Melbourne, and obviously the result didn't go your way. You had the doctor stoppage, but that image of you in the fucking corner banging the chest, like just fucking let me fight. I reckon that would have gained you a whole legion of new fans because that sent a shiver down everyone in the pub's back, mate, down their neck. We all were. We were screaming in the pub, like, let him It was fight. Anzac Day here too, I think. It was so Anzac it was on a... Day, and we were fucking up and about. And, Jesus, you didn't get the result. You got the freak leg, whatever the fuck that is. But, like, man, it must probably piss you off. I don't know. But you, you when you realised you had the leg, you took Smith down. You controlled him. You were wrecking him. You, you still could have won that, man, even on one leg. I feel like um, so I limped when they called the fight off, yeah? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't limp again afterwards. Exactly, because it comes back. It's just a matter back. of time, yeah. So it was uh, happened just at the end, like probably was two and a half, three minutes of the foot and all working, then it came back. Yeah, exactly. Like a minute and a half before the end of the, the first round that yeah. got hit. So I had the minute of grappling and the minute, um, probably two minutes, yeah, probably two and a half minutes. 
Of, what did um, it feel what, like? Because I know I O'Malley say, had it, it and yeah, uh, Cejudo's had it. Is it just? Can you even tell what the fuck's going on? Or you just foot doesn't communicate. You just can't. You know when yep. you're like going a long drive or a long ride or something, and you're like you sit on your leg wrong, and you're like pins and needles, and you go to put your foot down at fucking yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yes. goes. laughs> But you're in a fight with a man trying to fucking knock you out. Hey. I said, but you're in a fight with a man trying to knock you out, not getting out of the car after a long drive. It's a bit different, isn't it? When you, <laughs> it's like as soon as um, as soon as I was, remember his day. What I was thinking as soon as it happened, I was just like, well, I'm gonna fucking grapple. <laughs> and it worked though. When you realised I can't stand, you took him down, and it it was fucking. It was like shelling peas. I would have thought you would have won that fight. I, I tell you now. So I don't want to piss you off and make you look back and get angry. But man, you you were on that. I agree. I've got to give. Credit to Anthony Smith every every chance that I can. You know, like he, he did what he had to do, and um, I do, like, yeah, I, I, I do feel like I, I could have been in with a good chance if that fight continued. But fuck, what can you do about it? No, Just that's a right. Freak, freak thing. I'd love to ask you, mate, about how you got your start in the you know the sport and where where you came from in, in that. Did you ever play other other sports as a kid, or was it always <laughs> you know straight into sort of you know combat style? Uh, Fighting, like from a young age. Uh, you boys will love this. So when I was a kid, I, just, I was just like obsessed with WWE, WWF. <laughs> you can see the shirt I'm wearing. Have a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Last one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like I just loved that, like the performance of that and stuff. And then, um, and then when I like, obviously discovered real martial arts and, and real fighting, like well, I think I was ten, but I was doing judo. I started judo when I was eight, and then. Oh, sorry, 11 or 12 is when I started jiu-jitsu and that's when I first discovered the UFC and I was just like, holy fuck, like, mm-hmm. I'm on this, this is what I want to do and there wasn't one second growing up, there wasn't one second to the day that I feel like I didn't make the right decision. Yeah, I, like, I knew from 12 years old what I wanted to do. And I've read you copped a bit of grief about that growing up in school and teachers telling you, fucking shape up, get a real dream, you're not going to amount to anything, all this bullshit that you hear and... Yeah, obviously that drew, that drove you a little bit, did it? Oh, yeah, it did. Um, I, I would have been the same whether they said nice yeah. things they said. But <laughs> um, I had some. I, don't get me wrong. Like I had a, re- a few really good teachers that um, that did did support it and did all and said nice things and whatever. But like there was yeah, there was a few fucking idiots. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it like my parents got ranked to the school because they're like, oh, you know, we're talking about careers and some and what. This and that, and, and you know, Jimmy, Jimmy thinks he's going to be a UFC fighter and needs to focus on getting a real job. And my dad was just like, well, "Why can't he be a UFC fighter?" Good, good, good dad. Why you're going to you're going to tell him no and have him do it anyway, or are you going to support him and and do what you can to make him get there? Yeah, goodbye, Mister Crew. Did you have a moment, mate, where you knew internally that you were actually made for this, or did you have like a mentor or someone actually tell you outside of your dad, which is great that you've got a supportive. Father, but was there a moment when you were doing it and thought, fuck, I'm, I've actually got something special? I've always wanted to know when people sort of get to an elite level how, when they knew that they were actually going to be good. When I um, I had I had moments like that. When I was a kid, like I was like six or five or six years old. Uh, I can't remember how old it was, but I was in primary school. And I remember wrestling, all the kids were wrestling out in the oval, and I was just fucking everyone. <laughs> Never <laughs> life. I was just fucking everyone. Yeah, it's nice. Everyone, and I, 
I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm a better fighter than than, than other kids. I'm, I'm better at um, rough sports than other kids. Did you get many scraps, mate, as nah. a young bloke coming up? Or you're pretty well behaved. Just in the schoolyard, I did. Um, I punched a few people upside the head, but <laughs> never they deserved it. Yeah, fuck him. This is I went and fucking belted him. Um, uh, nah, nah, no, no street fights. Never been, never been one for street fights. I'll, I'll always walk away. I'll always Good. walk away. Um, I don't like it. No, nah. like nah, we're the same. You know, you've probably made a few, um, a few blokes pretty popular in local pubs, mate. When you're fighting, they'd be standing there going, "He whacked me in the schoolyard." So you know, yeah. you, 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 you've, that's people dying out on that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, it becomes a staple of their life, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I know you uh, got involved with Sam Greco at a pretty young age as well. Take us through what he's been like as a mentor and a coach, because fuck, he's a he's an he's an absolute unit. That bloke. Yeah, he's the best man. I love Greco. I love him like a like a brother. Like honestly, he's um one of, one one of the closest individuals that I have in my circle. So um, fuck, I I grew up watching Sam Greco. The mm. first. I posted something the other day, and it was a photo of me and Ray, uh, me, Sam, and, and Ray Sefu, and it was funny because that, that those two, that those two were that was the, that was the first K one fight I ever watched. Was uh, was yeah. um, I think I was like 15, uh, fourteen or something, watching um Sam Sam Greco and Ray Sefu punch on. So um, I was a fan of Sam from that moment. Like he was one of my um. Uh, in school, we had to write down our heroes, and he was one of the people I wrote down in, in, in my list. So, um, yeah, yeah. And then when I was seventeen or eighteen, um, Greg had a stuff going on in his personal life at that point in time, so it was really hard to get get in contact with him and and um, and get something rolling. But the second that we got in the gym together, it was like, bang. This is this is how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. He's good, man. Like he he's a hard ass. He um, but he's also like one of the most caring blokes. Even to this day, like I got I got a phone, and I don't know if this is. I I don't think it's that bad, but even today he he rang me up and he, he sort of gave me a little bit of a sub upside the head for um for going going ballistic at the box and stuff. <laughs> he's still, <laughs> as successful and whatever I as I am, he's still. A, like a life mentor, and he'll, he'll still, um, you know, be the hard ass and and tell you when you're doing doing something wrong. Yeah, good. It's good. It's good to have someone like that. And I was going to ask you about you're in a you're in a circle and how important it is to have some some people you know that you trust because I you know you talk about you go to the boxing last night. You got to have good people around you because you, you know this day and age with social media and cameras and you know people are always trying to get something off you. So. It must be important to you to have a trust, like a circle you can trust and people you can trust and mentors and things like that. I've got everyone that I go out with, everyone that I hang out with are the sort of people that would say, hey, Jimmy, you've you got to fucking pull your head in. Yeah. Um, that's, and I think that's important no matter who you are. Like, you're, yeah. you're just some guy that... You're just everyday person. You should have that. You should have people that pull you in the line and, and make you want to do better and make you responsible for your actions absolutely 100 well tell sammy just blame us for that mate blame us we were we were we were i don't think i was i think you're all right 
Old you mate Duke. Know. I want to shout out your mate Duke. He's one of the all-time greats. Um, I know he's a big fan of mine. It's, it's actually scary. <laughs> but uh, he was up and about. So I'd blame him, actually. Uh, yeah. And Duke and I grew together. <laughs> elevate. Talk elevated. about levels, but you just elevate each other. Yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah, just blame us with Sam and... Yeah. He's welcome on here anytime if he's listening. I'm sure he would be. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he. Um, I'm sure he'd love that. <laughs> Mate, I've got to speak about it. It's been you've obviously spoken about it a lot, so I don't want to track over it too much. But the uh, the whole time you spent living in a van and just working your fucking ass to the ground, how did that help? Did it hinder potentially? Were you going too hard? Was it just I don't know, man. Like, just take us through that period of your life when it was just nothing but just fucking working like a demon. The van life was it. What I was the easy life. Yeah. Fucking hell. Before I got signed, like working, I was working a full time job in the freezer, minus four degrees, <laughs> all day, 10, out, 10 to 12 hours, rolling the training. Um, and then before that, actually, before that was the worst, um, that was fucked. Like, I was like, I literally took me like half an hour to warm up at training to defrost. Oh. Um, I reckon, I reckon the, the biggest struggle was, um, was like in my first four fights or yeah no was it three yeah first three fights um first two fights sorry um i was working full-time in bendigo mm-hmm. my hometown which is two hours out of melbourne yeah and i was working full-time job in bendigo and driving to melbourne and back every single night to train uh, no, um no. after about six to eight months that was that was pretty fucked those sort of those sort of stories though, and that that sort of footing to get into a, a you know a career like that, I reckon it helps guys like because you you sort of you've got a great work ethic before you need to have a great work ethic. So I think it builds builds lifestyle, builds you know what what's part of your DNA and what's part of your psyche. You know, working hard, going through the shit to get to a goal. And I think a lot of people, you know, I'm I in myself like you start something, you go oh, fuck it, I'll just do something. You know, like that happens a lot with people. I reckon people quit too easily. So. To have that sort of background where you know where you've come from and how hard that is and how shit that was fucking thawing out for half an hour before you train, it sort of makes, I reckon it makes you appreciate the where you are now more. So if, I, if, you do, if you get a deck, what's the point of, like, you didn't earn it. I, I'm always just a strong believer in earning earning everything you have. Like, um, the, the thing that I sort of, like, proud of myself for is when I... Before I had a MMA fight, I had a comfortable life, you know. And my, um, I had well, good paying job for a kid that was step, like 17, 18. I was making really good money. I, I, um, I had a roof over my head, like mum and dad. I could stay there for as long as I wanted. wasn't paying any rent. Um, I had a very, very comfortable life. And um, the the thing I did was I got rid of all that comfort. I took the safety net from out from under me. That I would perform better if I didn't have a safety net. Mm-hmm. So I come, I come down to Melbourne, and I just fucking went balls to wall on training. And everyone's like, "Oh, you need like a backup plan or whatever." And I was just like, "Hey, if I fall flat on my face, I'll just pick myself back up. Don't worry." It's a recurring theme. Everyone we talk to, everyone at your level, everyone at some point in their life has to fucking put their balls on the on the line, basically, to get to this level. And mate, it's living proof. You can't just be comfortable or whatever. And expect to succeed at an elite level. You don't grow in a lot of comfort zone. You, you only grow when you're just in that spot between uncomfortable and too uncomfortable. There's 
that's yeah, that's your prime growth spot. It's not it's not when you're comfortable. Take us through your uh, your local sort of the regional circuit. You smashed through at six and zero before you got your chance with the uh, the Dana White contender series, which we'll get onto in a second. But how'd you find the local city, like regional stuff? Did you was it tough? Was it hard? Or were you just smashing blokes and finding it just like just come naturally? It was easy. Like to, oh, I actually had a few really hard fights um, on the regional. <laughs> I was fighting guys that were UFC ready before I was in the UFC. Like Stephen Warby, Hong Kim could fight in the UFC. There's no doubt about it. So I was um I was fighting these boys before I was signed. My my professional debut was against Ben Kelleher, who is at the time was twelve and six or something. Yeah, that's the deep end, straight up into it. Two week on two week or a week or two weeks notice. So uh, I always said like I always had this conversation with Sam. I said I don't want to fight I don't want to fight Kansas and Bunnies. Like I want hard fights. And I, I'm going to have to fight these guys sooner or later. So let's mm. fucking... Mm-hmm. That was always my mentality. Like, I don't want a padded record. I don't want to be one of these guys who get to the UFC and, I, and don't have the experience under their belt to hold them through. Yeah. At the top of it. Well, you're going to need to face some sort of adversity, aren't you, before you get to that level? Yeah. Fuck. And if you keep smacking blokes, like, as you said, like, if you keep smacking soup cans and these sort of guys, when you do get that shot... To go in the deep end, you're not ready for it, are you? And then, you, then you have to start again anyway. So you may as well. Well, that, well, one, yeah, you're not ready for it. You're gonna fall flat on your face at some point. In this, yep. if you're a fighter, unless you're a Habib, mm. and even then, like he didn't fight, start fighting really good, decent blokes until he was. <laughs> he was 20. fighting cans. Let's be honest. We can say it on <laughs> this pod. He was fighting cans, and nothing to respect for him. What he's done, but like. You don't get to a massive record and stay undefeated if you're fighting the guys that you should be fighting. Because everyone should lose. Everyone should have to come back. Everyone, except for John Jones. John Jones is the only person that he is, is the very yeah. best yep. from the spot and is, un- well, yeah, undefeated. He he's, should be undefeated, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good point because you see guys like Michael Chandler when they come into the UFC, he's. The fights he's taken are the fights the fans want. He doesn't give it. You can tell he doesn't care about his win-loss. He wants to have yeah. tough, exciting, hard fights that, that win him fans and win him respect and test himself. And I reckon that's the better attitude, and I hope that's where the sport starts going. And you, you still see it in boxing around, you know, the best guys dodging, dodging each other. In the UFC, MMA circles, it seems to be a lot less blokes are more willing. But it'd be great if people sort of stop talking about the losses and just, you know, we just got the better fights, I reckon. Hundred percent agree. And the thing that boxing doesn't, the thing that boxing doesn't do, that MMA does, which benefits MMA, is MMA. Like they celebrate the undefeated, but like the O is not the be all in, in MMA. We like the fan, like Cowboy Cerrone and all these guys that have got a lot. Like Nate, Nate Diaz, a lot of losses. Mm-hmm. Still one of the biggest stars in the game. Everyone will always tune in to watch him fight. Um, yep. But if he was a boxer and he had that record, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> He'd be cooked. He'd be gone. Even though he's yeah, the best in the world for fucking years. Well, it's funny because he's. I'm a big Diaz fan. I love him. But his last fight, you know, he got absolutely schooled. But he lands one punch, and no one talks about the clinic that the you know that Edward. Yeah. Was about Diaz <laughs> laughing at him. You know, everyone's, like, everyone's got everyone, <laughs> Diaz doesn't um, lose fights. Just runs out of time. I'm just like, fuck off. <laughs> 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 Credit. 
I reckon <laughs> they should bring in a Nate Diaz rule. Just no no rounds. Just keep fighting. Ten rounds if we need it. Just keep him fighting because it's entertaining uh, no uh, matter what happens. I'll stay. stay <laughs> Mate, uh, take us through the whole uh, contender series when you got the call up. What was it like? Was it uh, a nerve-wracking experience or was it just something you were built for and you were ready to go? Because it was a nice fight. It didn't wasn't going your way too great early, but then you fucking starts that bloke. That must have felt good. Can I, can I correct you? I was fucking up. I was beating the fuck out of him from the get-go. Well, I guess you were. It, yeah, he wasn't going away, though, was he, for the first three minutes? That's what Dana said to me. Dana White come up to me afterwards and he just goes, what the fuck, that guy's head? <laughs> yeah, I okay. Hit him so hard. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. I, uh, I don't know if you can see it, but I had to get surgery on my hand um, after that fight because I fucked up, fucked up my, all my ligaments in my hand. Oh, just bashing his head. Him, him and the Korean guy that I fought um, before I got to hunk him, um, I just butchered my hands on those two fights. <laughs> Fuck. Um, but, yeah, that was cool. Um, at the time, I was a bit like, ah, oh, fuck, I'd rather just get a UFC contract because the contender was sort of a new thing. Yeah. But I wouldn't change it for the world now. Like, the UFC love, love promoting their contender series fighters, so I've benefited mm-hmm. from that. And... Um, it's actually funny what what Duke said to me um, when I was sort of saying, "Oh, you know, I'd rather just get a UFC contract." And Duke goes, "Well, would you fight this guy on Hex?" I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, don't worry about it. Go fight, fight him here." Yeah. I was just like, "Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good way to put it." Yeah, absolutely. So, so I was just like, well, "If I got to fight this guy on Hex, I'd fight this guy. I'd fight this guy like on any promotion. So it doesn't matter. I just got to get the win." Yep. Smart man, that Duke. He's all right. Hey, you know you talked about smashing your knuckles across these blokes' faces and stuff. I'd like to know because I'm not, and both of us don't come from a combat sport background. Do you know when you're absolutely fucking a bloke up, and do you sometimes feel internally like the ref's got to stop this, or you're so in in the the zone, being in that octagon, you just do it until you're told to get off them? Um, oh, I um, I made a mistake in one of my fights. I walked off too early. I thought it was. I was- I was just going to jump in there. I can't remember exactly the name of the bloke, but you did, man. You nearly fucked that. I was freaking out. A lot, I cost myself 50000 US dollars. <laughs> you did. But he gave me the bonus if I didn't do that. Well, sorry to bring that up. <laughs> Funny. <it's good. laughs> so hard. And he just went down like a second yeah. And so I was you, like, oh, he's done. I'm gonna you get wanted the walk off. I'm going to get my Mark Hunt moment. Started walking off. Mm. I look around. He's back on his back. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll go, just go grab him on the ground, beat him up um, until the ref stopped the, the fight. But that was a big blow-up. Like, everyone was like, oh, early stoppage, early stoppage. I'm like, nah. I fucking knocked him out. Yeah, one. late. <laughs> and then I was on top of him and I landed 10 unanswered strikes in a row. That was a late yeah. stoppage, mate. I, I, yeah, I shit myself. Okay. I thought, oh, no, thank Christ it all worked out in the end. You yeah. didn't cook it. Man, fuck. Bonus, <laughs> anything bonus, something bad had happened. Yeah, absolutely. Not the guy that hurt. That's what um, even Dana said. Dana said that um, the ref should have stopped the fight when I walked off, and then he probably should have let let it go for a bit longer when I was getting the ground and pound off. Was it? I reckon current Dana would give you the bonus. Hey, current day Dana would probably give you a bonus. He'd say he did that. You know, he seems a lot more lenient with his his paying blokes. You know, when guys are losing and having good fights, he's giving when, when I reckon the current day Dana's he probably would have given you. People will talk shit about the UFC pay structure and stuff, but I fucking love it. I love the like 
I love the amount of money I'm making from the UFC. I love um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a kid that would fucking do this for free. So, yeah. um, that's not, probably not the best thing to say if you if you're <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah, but don't let Dana know that. I'd be if I was if there was no such thing as the UFC and there was just MMA fights that you just get a pat on the back for. I'd work a full time job and I would I'd jump in a cage and fight someone. It seems like people get wrapped up in the whole, oh, Jake Paul's making $12 million or Tyson Fury's making $40 million. But, like, anyone on that undercard's probably making three grand. You know what I mean? It's not like everyone's making... We talked making, about it, remember? Mick, we did, we did yeah. study on it. We had a look. It's and... bullshit. So you can't expect every dude on the UFC to be making half a million dollars every fight. It's just not viable. It's like 700 blokes on the roster. And, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the exact point. Like, a lot of these... Promotions only have to worry about the guys they've got on their cards coming up. They're not they're not having to worry about the fighters that they have to get matched or the seven hundred blokes that are waiting for a fight. Smart blokes and women, sorry. Um, True. But, um, yeah, that's that's the thing. And um, fuck, where was I going with that? I was going somewhere. I thought I had something interesting to say, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to say Dana's a really nice guy. He's very good looking. He's a nice fella. <laughs> It's not the it's not the UFC pay structure that fucks you up. It's the tax. It's the yeah. You have to pay your coaches. It's the um, if you want to bring an extra training partner over to travel. It's the just how expensive it is getting ready for a fight. If you if you're not spending ten grand, ten to fifteen grand on a fight camp, you're probably not preparing the best you can. I've gotcha. always actually yeah wondered that because you see some blokes that are like up there in the top 10, 15, They might make fifty k on the day. But I'm always thoughting like, all right, so tax is whatever it is, another fifty percent, forty percent, or thirty-five, whatever it is, and then you have to pay your trainers and your coaches and your fucking team and your your wrestling coach, your jiu-jitsu coach, your fucking this coach, that coach, your nutritionist, manager. You're left like scratching your ass at the end. Yeah, your show money literally goes, and then instantly you yeah. win. You hold on to your win money. When not like, fuck, in the Anthony Smith fight, I lost money on that fight. <sighs> Fuck. I went. I went from. I, I went from beating Modesto Spakowskis, who, with all due respect, is is nowhere near Anthony Smith's level. Um, made fucking six figures for that fight. Um, and then I fight the the top five guy in the world and lose money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, we've said it was all good. We love the way it goes, but in the end, it is a little bit. It's a little bit dodgy at times but as well, though, isn't it? It's, it's the way the, of the world. Yeah. It's, it's just the. It's just the way that MMA is set up. Not the UFC. It's just yeah, as, like AFL players. They're not. They're not paying their coaches. Their coaches are paid by the AFL. Yeah, that's right. But the UFC can't fucking do that. Well, you're independent contractors, aren't you? Technically, yeah. yeah. You be paying everyone's fucking coaches. That's ridiculous. And it, it it shouldn't have to come down to this, but it also does. Like you, as a person individually, you got to promote yourself. You've got to market yourself. You got to back yourself in. Yeah. We see like a Sean O'Malley. He's fought no one really, but he's making millions of dollars. So it is possible. You're all able to do it. You've got the fucking lovely little uh, mullet flapping in the breeze there. You could <laughs> you could market yourself and make millions of dollars. I'm sure. So it's up to everyone individually, isn't it? It's exactly right. And like, yeah, you can't. If you want to make money, you have to work. And I like me personally, I fight. I don't like touching my fight money. I like I like living off my sponsorship money, and I, I either invest my fight money, or I buy property or whatever, or, or put it away for a rainy day, and then I live off my sponsorship money. So, being a marketable product, 
being someone that brands want to get behind is super important because, you know, we're in this sport if we're lucky for 10 years. Yeah. If, and that's not even fighting at the highest level for 10 years. That's just being in the sport for 10 years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you've got to really be smart and, and, and set yourself up and, and not not be a goose with your money. Do you have do you have thoughts about I mean, still got plenty of uh, meat left on the bone with your fight career, but do you have thoughts about after after your fight days? Do you have a, a set age or do you have a goal that you want to achieve and then you'll or are you just gonna fight and listen to your body and then you'll work out what you're gonna do after that? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I don't wanna be an old man fighting. I don't wanna be one of those and I have all the respect in the world for these guys, but I don't wanna be a guy that's in there hitting their forties and still and still fighting like I have all the respect in the world for Glover Teixeira and all the all, all the guys like that but um it's not like I feel like if I haven't won the world title and done everything I'm supposed to do in the sport by the time I'm 34 34 34 35 I reckon I reckon that's where I reckon that's where my career will go to once I, yeah. I just accomplish everything I've had and I've got the itches out of my knuckles um, <laughs> so may, maybe I will fight on because what are you? You're 26 or something? You're a fucking whippersnapper, mate. You make me feel like a grandpa. 26, yeah. you got a lot of time left, mate. Plenty of time. Get this knee sorted and, mate, you can get it done. Uh, who? I, th- I think there's like four other people that are ranked in the UFC that are my age or younger. I think there's like exactly. four, three or four other mm-hmm. people. Yep. Um, definitely no one at the heavyweight classes. Yeah. I want to speak about that. Obviously, you're natural at the 205. What's your general weight range? Have you ever thought about cutting down to 185, or is that just out of the realms of possibility? Nope, ever, never, ever. Um, never. Yeah, I would. I would move to heavyweight before I move to. Yeah, I'm I was going to say I'm, after seeing you last night, there's no way I could see you at 185. Yeah, I'm, I'm 110 kilos right now. <laughs> That's could, fair enough. Walk. I could walk around and be ribbed at 100 and 108. And then if I fucking hit the weights hard, I reckon I could, I reckon I could go up to 113. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, there's no way in hell I'd go to middle. Um, I'm too small for heavy. Um, yeah, yeah. If I was six, if I if I had two inches in height and a little yeah. bit of a reach, I would, um, I would definitely, I would, I'd be a heavyweight now. If I was six yeah. four right now, um, but yeah, I think I think light heavyweight's good for me. I think. Uh, Getting the hang of those cuts that I've taken the weight. I'm going to take a lot of the weight training out of my um, out of my camps now because I was finding it really fucking hard to make 93. Yeah, I know we're Australian, so I should know the kilos. But growing up on wrestling, I I I, I just go with pounds. So it freaks me out when people talk kilos. I'm like, I can't fucking work it out. So what is 93? Is that 205? Is it 205? Yeah. yeah, right. So it is a bit of a stretch to get down there, even to 205 sometimes. Bro, I had a, I had um, my last cut was good, and then the last the two before that was fucking yuck, and like I felt awesome in the fights. Mm-hmm. I felt like that Anthony Smith fight. I've never felt better, like never felt better before the fight, during the fight, um, but the cut was fucked. It was just yeah, it was revolting. It can't be good for long term health and stuff. Some of the cuts you see guys do, and I reckon yeah, if you I watch know. the. I'm sitting here complaining about how bad my cuts are, and they do way more than I do. Well, I just reckon, you know when you watch, not the ceremonial one, 
um, the way. When you see the actual weigh-in from a fan, you can actually sometimes tell which fighter's almost going to win by just looking the way they stand. Because if they're a bit wobbly or they're fucked, yeah. you, you sort of go, well, that's not going to be a healthy, you know, fighter going in. And then you see other guys that do it with ease. So, um, yeah, I always find it really fucking insane how you do it and do it consistently. You know, it's just... Yeah, I, I, I do have a very, very good already. Um, she's, yeah, she's unreal. She's like, the stuff that she knows about food, nutrition, and like she tells you to do one certain thing, and then and so this thing happens, and it always happens like clockwork. Um, so I yeah, I work with um, I work with a very very good nutritionist. Um, probably yeah, the best the best nutritionist. I was gonna say talking about weight cuts, you got that crazy fucking bastard uh, Paolo Costa. How does that guy try and cut down to one eighty five, and then he just decides yeah, exactly. He's 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 jabbing. How does he get away with that too, just by the way? And like, surely he's going to have to come up to 205 at some point. Maybe you can land one on his chin. He's a fucking goose, isn't he? I don't like <laughs> He's funny, but he's fucked in the head. He's a fucking um, <laughs> Nah, whatever. Nah, we've got to talk about him particularly. But just bloke, some people just seem to murder themselves just to try and get some perceived gain. But in the end, it's got to be a detraction, doesn't it? Yeah, I was, I was like, I'm going to fight someone rather than do all that diet. And, well, I, I diet hard anyway, like I, I always do. But like, rather than kill myself to get down to middleweight, mm. put up early in my career, but I was just like, fuck it, I'm not scared to fight guys, big guys. Yeah. What's, what's, they, they're going to hit harder, but they're going to be slower. Yeah, true. Look, we've um, obviously taken up a lot of your time. Um, don't want to fucking keep you too long especially after we, we we had beers last night you probably just want to chill out and stop I fucking mean, chatting was... talking shit to us mate what did you thought what were your thoughts on dana white the other day thinking that the grand prix being cancelled not not coming down not bringing any fights here was did did you hear that or see that comment he made he's no. fucking cooked it he what said that, that someone asked him if they were going to bring the ufc down to australia this year and he said he said no did you not just see it, what they did at the grand prix he was living like two years in the past, he thought that they cancelled. <laughs> Can you text him for me? I'll, um, I'll let him know. Because I'll, I'll, I'll right. I mean, we, we get we get jealous as fans when you see the London event or that one that was you know the last UK one. They had a UK fighter in, in every fight, and it was just fucking epic. You know, you sure, could man. do at, at the minute you could do that with the Aussie fighters. There's so many sure. talented guys that they come back and do a pay per view. Yeah, I bet. Like I saw, I want him. I want him to come back this year. But at the same time, yeah, you want to be on it. Part of me that, that wants to be here. That's yeah. the back. Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, I gave Dana a serve last week on the pod because he's living in 2020. Like, oh, they just cancelled the Grand Prix. I can't go out there. I'm like, mate, we fucking didn't. We ran the Grand Prix 400,000 people. We're open, baby. Get down here. <laughs> I'll let him know. Boy, I'll just text you. Please do. And just yeah. talking about the other Aussie guys when I was you know, talking about getting, trying to have a card with them, do you guys. Um, we've had a few on the show and they've said that there's a pretty tight group. Like, obviously, you're not all from the same state, but there's a bit of a... Because Aussie blokes are genuinely... I reckon we're, we're better blokes, in a sense, from other, than other countries, and I reckon we try and help people where we can. Is that something that you um, are, like you like to do, chat to other fighters and learn and pass on knowledge and help each other out? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I go down to Sydney uh, quite a bit to, to get work in with like, Rob Whitaker and Jacob Malkoon and and pick up stuff from Joey and Alex Volkanovsky and Jamie and, and, yeah. and Bell. And, um, 
and then yeah, like Tyson Pedro um, sent messaged me the other day just saying, hey, if you need any 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 um, like advice or anything on the knee, you know, he's got three knee Ricos um, banked up in experience, so like that was pretty cool. And obviously Bam Bam and and Jake, like I I, I see Jake three four times a week um, at training, so. Uh, Jay Matthews. So yep, yeah, yeah, really tight knit group. Um, really, it's it's good. It's it's how it should be. You know, we'll, we all understand the sacrifices that the other Aussie fighters have made to, to, to be where they are. There's uh, clearly never been a better time in Australian MMA with so many blokes fighting at the elite level. We had uh, one of your mates, the Hooligan, on a few months back, Jamie Malaki. He's a fucking ripper, and uh, he mentioned maybe there might have been a night out in Abu Dhabi. You blokes were on the same card, really. <laughs> Might have hit the town. A few stories you probably can't tell on the pod. Nah, I'm gonna tell you. Uh, buckle in. Nah, so fuck. I drank so much beer because these fucking Jamie and stuff came down at like ten o'clock. I'd been drinking. It was like fights. I fought at four thirty a.m. Yes. Hotel at six a.m. Started drinking like a fucking, <laughs> and then I got up and it's like the middle of it's the desert, so it's hot as. I'm just I hadn't had a sip of water. And I've got 4 p.m. So I've just been drinking from like 6 a.m. to 4, 4 p.m. And I fucking walked to the bathroom and then I like stopped. And I, I'm like, I can't see. <laughs> I can't see. I fucking fly home that night at, uh, at 9 p.m. <laughs> I love it. So I wanted to die on the plane. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, the the, plane, the plane's great for dehydration, isn't it? It's just that was fixing, the yeah. absolute <laughs> worst flight I've ever been. I, I slept... I, I'm in Abu Abu Dhabi um, airport, and I fall up on a table at fucking whatever restaurant we're at, and I had a snooze. Fuck. I like it, mate. I like that a lot. Fantastic. Look, man. As you said, we're getting late. We're probably all a bit hungover, so we'll let you go, man. But so you got eight months, you reckon, before the knee's ready to go? Is that about yeah. the rough timeline? We can expect yeah, you back next months. year. Eight months. Um, hopefully early next year. Um, I'm ahead of schedule my rehab, but as I said, I'm not going to push it. I'm going to do the whole nine months. I reckon every every month you leave it after uh, eight or nine months, there's a there's a good chance that it's gonna the graph's gonna hold a lot better. So, you know, I'm gonna I'll take the advice from my doctors and physios and and all that, and, and yeah, I'll come back. I'll make sure I'll come back 100. percent That's awesome to hear, and we'd love to uh, have you back on before you know your next fight. So once you've done your rehab and you have a fight announced, we'd love to have you on, mate, and have a chat about that. We've appreciated you giving up so much of your time tonight. It's awesome. Our listeners are going to love it. And it was uh, great to meet you again last night, mate. We wish you all the best with the rehab and what's to come. Yeah, no, it was good to, uh, good to chat to you, fellas. I really, really enjoyed it. Good on you, mate. mate. We really appreciate it. You're a legend. Everyone loves you. Australia's behind you. Jimmy Crew, mate. We love you. Cheers, brother. If you're in the game, then the stroke's the word. Boy, oh boy, wow, we, Mako Shark, the crudy pie, the crudest of barber beef cake. What an absolute specimen. What a human. What a great man. What an interview. What a podcast. It's just a match made in heaven, as I say. What, how good, fuck, that was so good. I'm excited. The Crudosaurus Rex. There's another one, mate. What a man. He's jumped on the pod, and I couldn't be more happy with that. He's a fucking ripper. I think everyone at home enjoyed the chat. He's just a down-to-earth bloke, Bendigo boy, just 
just salt of the earth type of blokes that we deal salt with. Salt of the this earth podcast. with a, f- yeah. a, a, a touch of sicko about him, fighting with a torn oh, ACL. He's got sicko about him. I had him, a torn ACL. I had to get my poor wife, God bless her, little Walshie, had to get her to help me get in the shower when I tore my ACL. <laughs> I actually <laughs> thought I'd just go to her shoulder. He's fighting like an elite, like the best company yeah. in the world. I couldn't get I'm over well. this little, like, if you could picture an inch off the ground, I couldn't step over it. That's just mate, you know, and that was that was like a month after, so you know, it's not exactly, uh, it's not exactly a, a normal human can do. And he's obviously got a pain threshold the size of that flowing locks. He's got the absolute heart of a fucking lion, this bloke. So, look, thank God he was on the pod, mate. I reckon it was great for us. I appreciate it. Thanks to you, mate. I, uh, yeah, I'll just keep saying it. All We're big right. fans. We love him. He's actually big he's fans. one of our faves. We love him. He's one of our faves. And shout out. Uh, I mentioned it during the interview. He's mate Duke. He's one of my good mates now, so he'll probably Duke of Distortion. The Duke of Distortion. The big Duke fucking, what else can we go What do we call him? We call him the Benchmark. The Benchmark, that's his new nickname. The Benchmark, because he's the Benchmark of greatness. He is the new Benchmark, this bloke. I love him. I reckon we're a match made a a harder bloke on his shoulder than that bloke. We're going to have him on the pod too coming up soon, I reckon. We're going to get the man. He's a fucking- He's made of granite making that bloke. Granite. He's made of granite, this bloke. Absolute fucking brick shit out. your shoulder, your hand nearly breaks. He's a black belt. He's fucking blokes up. He's he's a professional fighter himself. He's making waves. So just keep an eye out for Duke Didier. Is that how you say it? Didier? And uh, he'll be on. He'll be on. The benchmark. He'll be on, and it will be a, an episode of greatness, no doubt. Mm. Speaking of greatness, look, you know, I talk about introductions. I talk about greatness. I talk about fucking doves, even though it's pigeons. I don't know why I say doves every week, because I don't think doves deliver anything. i tell you what does deliver. And it's this segment, Mako Shark. You got yourself in a little fluster last night with a, uh, a boxer, and he said, you're all talk, mate. Well, you know what? You are all talk, because that's the fucking show. That's the episode. That's the segment. It's the fucking Mako Shark segment. It's the top rating segment. It's the top talking segment. What do you fucking want the bloke to do other than talk when he's on a podcast? So if, yes, he is all talk, because that's his job, and his job is to deliver this segment and this segment only, and it is greatness. Mako Shark Tank. Mako Shark Tank. Back for another big week, mate. You've dropped a few little breadcrumbs there on the intro. I'm not going to go there. People might think I might, but I'm not going to go there on the Shark Tank. Hey, good, you just, I just dropped little crumbs for you to nibble on. Fucking little crumbs you've dropped there, Maddie. But no, this week... I reckon that was my most creative. Else. I was happy with that one. Look, I liked it. Here we go. E-scooters, Maddie. E-scooters. Oh. Have you seen these fucking queefs on the e-scooters, Maddie? Is this is a fucking... I, I bought it up in an early episode, Mako Shark, at the oh, cost of well. these things. And now the, the city's giving them to you for free. So I thought it was a pandemic back in episode three or four. And now what, what, what's happened to you? You've had a near-death experience, have you not? I said, yeah. You brought them up early and now it's all coming to a head. Last night, I'm leaving the boxing with your good self, with your brother mm. there, a couple of people with us. And all of a sudden, look to Crudy, your left, look Crudy to your right. Crudy and Didier. Crudy and Didier. They might have been in the vicinity. They might have been in the vicinity. But bang, all of a sudden, an e-scooter out of nowhere, some fucking knob jockey comes flying through, nearly takes the Mako shark out, ass over tit. If it wasn't for my adept fucking lateral fucking movement with the big fucking left and right, I can bob and weave like a Muhammad Ali out on the mean streets. If it wasn't for that, mate, I'd be in the fucking e- emergency room right now, Matty. You saw it. The e-scooter room. Yeah, I saw it, mate. That e-scooter was... room. These blokes need yeah. to calm their farm. They need to get off these stupid fucking little new inventions that are fucking littering our great city. 
just fucking strewn around the streets, these electronic fucking dickhead mobiles. I've had enough. You nearly put me mate, in hospital. He's lucky he kept just... moving and he didn't fucking slow down and we would have grabbed him by the neck, mate. We would have fucking choked him out. Peruvian necktie. <laughs> I tell you, it's the city's fault too because they did it with their stupid bikes. Remember they gave the bikes? Oh, the, the, those the, bikes they they ended hate. up in fucking the rivers, the waterways, the, the trees. They were all over the shop, and mate. they're giving away these expensive scooters and just letting people not walk. Maybe, you know, maybe the extra few steps for a few people might help at times, right? It might, you know, overall health and fitness and, and get out and enjoy the sun and have a bit of a walk. Nah, we're going to give you a free scooter. You're going to go 60 off the road on a fucking path. What if there's a child? It was fucking the Mako shark, and lucky, like you said, lucky you've got hips of a a bloody 17-year-old Latino ballroom dancer, and you've managed to move that way. I was doing the fucking cha-cha. I was doing the cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Whatever the fucking cha-cha. I was doing the salsa, baby. I'll tell you who you were. Dominican. You were the guy off Seinfeld, the bull rider. Horochio. Eduardo. Horochio. I was. I was the matador. Elaine's matador, mate. I was fucking Straight out of the way. Whoop. But, uh, Eduardo Caruccio. But uh, listen, good. Australia, I, I saw this. The writing was on the wall a few years back, Matty, because Australia is behind the times when it comes to this shit, right? I was in Nashville mm. a couple of years back. I was in Austin, all these type of joints. And they life were ahead of us. Life they were ahead flex. of the game. Life flex. Life flex. You look like, uh, you know, I've been to the US, all right? Sue me. You've, but, you, um, you, you, you traveled. You're well traveled. I'm a cultured kind of guy. I've survived America yeah. a couple of times, mate. Mate, they were littered with these fucking scooters on the ground. They were calling them lime scooters, I think. Just everywhere I walked, I was stepping over fucking scooters. And I'm like, what's going on here, mate? And then all of a sudden, two, three years later, Australia, as we do, it's fucking coming up the rear end, bang, all of a sudden we think we're reinventing the wheel. And we're throwing we're scooters not. everywhere. I'm sick of it. They're going to end up off. in the river, mate. They're going to end up in the the, mus, the muzzy's going to end up hitting one, right? And you're going to fucking real. You have to realign your bloody drivetrain or something to your little muzzy. I don't, I don't want to pop about, a fucking tire. I don't want a fucking axle. Speaking Just, of that, fuck tires. You know what else mm-hmm. should go in your tank as well? I reckon people that tell you you should rotate your tires because no one on earth. I'm, you, you did a Facebook status about it years ago and copped heat. Blokes yeah. like, oh, yes, you got to rotate. There's no man on earth that's going out in his garage, jacking nah, his car right. up and taking all tires off and rotating them. Who have you ever known to rotate <laughs> tires, mate? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you got to, it's from Seinfeld again. Have you rotated the tires? Yeah. You don't try to. Fucking no, it wasn't fucking... putty, was it? It was that other no, guy, no, that no, Gronk no, from. No. Uh, it was the Gronk Everyone from. Loves um, Everyone Raymond. loves Raymond, Raymond, the big deep voice. Yeah, Raymond. That prick. Yeah, he was, that guy. You rotate the tires. You don't try. That prick. You don't rotate the tires. You do. Tires, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, you don't rotate. So, look, um, it's a car. pandemic. We, we just continually pandemic here. We're just in a, a 24-7 pandy in this country. Mm. We pandy up on all things. Now it's a scooter. Nearly hit you. Nearly killed you. It wouldn't have been a podcast anymore, and that's not good enough. So I, I, whoever was – who was riding it? What was the age? I reckon his name was bit? fucking – Chad or his yeah, name was fucking yeah. fucking uh Hey um you didn't pick up the breadcrumbs. You didn't pick up the breadcrumbs. Wow, well, I thought you might come through and nibble on the breadcrumbs Look, yourself, Maddie. I was I um, wanna... oh boy. I missed it. I was having a, a urine. We got we got fucking VIP'd off in that section and I was holding it and then thought, you know, I'm I'm sick as the, the winner running around carrying on in the ring. This is a time never we, right? Because then when we walk across getting a cab, I'm not busting. Perfect time, right? No, not perfect because I missed out on one of the all-time moments. That just just solidifies this podcast being the Australia's hottest podcast because at a moment of such, I guess, 
glory for a person to then turn that positive into a negative and lock eyes with you. And, you know, moments after winning a world title eliminator, he decides to berate you like a bully, absolute bully behavior, bully mentality, right? I don't like it, right? Let's just spray a bloke who's got no right. You can't talk back to him because you're sitting there with no mic. You've got some of Melbourne's heaviest hitters around you. So what are you supposed to do other than sit there and cop it? And what are you doing in your moment of glory spraying a bloke for having an opinion, right, because you, you have a podcast about combat sports. You have an opinion on every fight that's ever been that we've covered. You you choose our side. You choose the head splitter because he's a better bloke, and that's the fact, and that's what everyone said. Jimmy Crute likes the head splitter. Everyone likes the head splitter. He's, a, he's, he's one of the most natural, down-to-earth men. We wanted a young buck to have a fucking have his time. You went for him, right? You weren't derogatory. You was no derogatory behaviour towards Zarafa in any of your comments. I don't think. I mean, we just said we wanted him to get bashed because we did because we wanted our man to win. We well, didn't want him to get hurt, right? But then he has a go at you, and like I said, yells out, "You're all talk or talk, talk, fuck this, fucking this and that." Like you're swearing like a big man. You know what? You are all talk because that is the show. It's an opinion based business. You're there to give the fans your opinion. We gave an almighty review. We got it wrong. We put our hands up. We we, we didn't uh, take into account some of the things we probably should have. We, maybe our eyes were a bit glossed over with our, our love of the head splitter and he might not have been just ready or he might have been caught with a lucky shot. End of the day, though, I'm on a fucking rant here. You don't berate a man sitting ringside in front of his peers surrounded by heavy hitters because you feel like you've got an opportunity because you're standing up tall than him for the once in your life because you're in the ring and you're not next to him because next to him you're up to his fucking – his uh, ballroom dancing hips. So I, I think poor form. I think it was a positive for him. And his behaviour after that win solidified what a lot of people's thoughts on him were, that he acts like a baby and a child. That's what I was well, saying. Well, mate, uh, good good rant from you, sticking up for the Mako Shark. People at home might not know. Most people wouldn't. but uh, Tell them what actually he, happened. Cause he, I don't he come think after tell the Mako Shark. No, you didn't. He come after the Shark and... Look, we're in the entertainment industry now. It's an opinion-based business, so I've got to cop it on the chin. I'm ready. I, I give out my opinions weekly, and that's fine. But uh, Michael Zarafa, he wasn't happy with the Mako Shark. And look, that's fair enough. I'm sure Not if I was there, he probably would have sprayed me too. It probably wasn't just I'm the sure Mako you were just unlucky you were in the toilet, didn't cop half the heat. But he fucking <laughs> came for the Mako, mate. He, he locked eyes 10 minutes oh. after winning the fight. I was surrounded by uh, – I was in enemy territory, so I was a bit shook. Look, I probably didn't give the best uh, display myself. I panicked a little bit, but that's not anything out of the ordinary. I'm not a fighter, man. No, you're a, man. a nice, I'm a lover. humble guy. You're a nice I'm a lovely man. Like, fella. You, you don't so, say – we don't say things on here out of spite. We say it just because we have an opinion. It's, we're not trying to hurt anyone. And I, look, I I'm going to say it. I'll say it. Like, he's got a thin skin, this fella, and if we gave him the extra in, uh, incentive to win, then good. I'm glad, mate. I'm glad that we, uh, we gave you the fire in the belly, that what we did on this podcast affected you to that point that you felt the need to then uh, lean over the ring, actually, and start spraying the Mako Shark in front of everyone. It was quite an exciting Can you give us a little period, quote? But, uh, Can you give us a quote? Oh, look, it was said. just you. You, you're all fucking talk. You, 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 yeah, all fucking talk. And it's like, yes, I am all talk, mate. I'm not going to get in the ring and fight you. Like, I've never said well, he's not, not a He's fighter. a professional fighter, right? You're he's a not professional to touch fighter. You anyway. I'm a professional podcaster, straight off podcast, if you weren't aware of that. But... Look, he got his uh, he got his knickers in a bunch. We we made fun of his suit a couple of months back, and that seems like it was all that was required. A little bit of a gag about the suit, which I thought was fair enough because the suit was shit, mate. Like, let's be honest. But I actually made that, fun of his suit. I made fun of his suit about the you know the 
To be honest, I said that this, you pick sides you know, in this game, mate. You can't have a thin skin yeah. in the uh, the combat business. You pick sides. We were head splitter. We got a, we got on board. That's fine. He yeah. treated us with great respect. We love him. He's a good fella. End of the day, I'm not salty. Whatever, come at me. That's fine. I can cop it on the chin. I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a broadcast analyst these days, Matthew. So I'll cop it on the chin. Broadcast analyst. And style. you know what, mate? We're we're closer to forty than we are thirty. And and we're, we're grown men. We, and, you know, I've got two kids. You have got a child coming. What? We're not here to be fighting and look. He was up carrying there, on, wasn't he? He was carrying on like a bit oh. of a hero. Look, he he. As again, I'll say it again now. He plays the fucking nice guy when he's on the camera on the mic. Oh, I'm just a great guy. Give all the respect yeah. to Isaac, even though I called him a racist the day before with no fucking reason behind it. Now I've beaten yep. him. Oh, you're a great guy. I love you. Mate, how about the retraction? Yep. Where is it? You've come out the bloke 24 hours before and fucking given him that, which I still don't no respect retraction. one bit. You fucking no. beat Isaac Hardman, which is fantastic. Give you all the respect in the world for your performance. It was great. You're a fucking good boxer, 100%. Very good sharp. On you. Very you, sharp. You were sharp. That left, that left come out of nowhere. It was fucking beautiful. I saw it front row. It was great. Front all row. the respect yep. in the world to your skills, mate. Yep. But then what did you do? You fucking ran straight up to Isaac Hardman's fucking trainer in his face. And his that family. That wasn't, mate, that wasn't class in my book, mate. I know the adrenaline was probably running high. I'll give you a pass, but... Mate, you try and play yep. this fucking clean cut guy, but you're not. Own it, mate. Own it. You're a little bit. You're a little bit seedy yourself. And then you're calling out Tim Zoo in the post conference, mate. Give us a spell. Where have you been? Yeah. No one wants to hear that shit. He's over in America. Where are you, Tim? I'll tell you where he is, mate. He's in America, fucking knocking out some, fighting some of the best in the world, putting his balls on the line. Don't fucking come out now, twelve months later, and start calling him out for mine. I don't respect that. Yeah. But I respect you as a fighter. Well done. Great win. You beat our man. And th- Mate, Isaac Hardman, what a man he is. He he, uh, he won over the room on his performance Love after him. the loss. He took it on the chin. That's why we're on the head split of train. You find a lot out about a bloke, don't you? You do. You find a lot out about a bloke. And head splitter is 100% fucking – he's 100% perfect. I love him. I loved what he did. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm not going to go. Shout, out to, uh, shout out to his brother too. We met his brother. He, he was lovely. His, his brother, his twin brother, he's a, he's, a, he's a very funny sort of fellow. We hung out with him for a bit, yeah. He was up and about. Hey, I, uh, yeah. I will say, anyway, uh, look, I, I hope that, it, uh, I hope that the, no, I'm just going to say, I hope that they might eventually get a, have another fight, those two. That's a lot. I, I I'd so. like to see it again. I, I think that the, uh, and look, we're, we're, we've, we've said from episode one, Maker Shark, we've got no skin in the game from a sense of ever doing any combat sport. We played footy and cricket. We're just like, right? But the thing in this show is we love the sport and we follow it. We're allowed to have an opinion on it. So what I'm going to say, if we ever pick a side, we're not picking a side to be uh, derogatory or to, to you know, be mean to it. It's a fucking – every sport in the world has analysts, even golf, right? And golf people pick people to win tournaments. That doesn't mean they hate or think the other people exactly. aren't good enough. It's their yep. selection. So that's our so – we, we selected – and because we liked him, right? We had him on the podcast and we got along with him. We liked his morals, who he is as a person, what he stands for. So we picked him and we thought he was a very – and he is a very talented young man. So, like, of course we're going to pick him. He's only been good to us. So, like, going forward in this podcast, if anyone gets butthurt about us picking someone, don't listen, right, because it's the wrong podcast for you. You shouldn't listen to anything that's got to do with two sides. Just, just play fucking – Lawn bowls or croquet at the back by yourself. I, I would suggest. Well, mate, so it's yeah. a uh, it's an opinion based business. We're in it. it. Is. The We're event though, as a as a whole, was um was was fantastic to be invited by uh, 
Lee and uh, and Andrew, Andrew from Rifle, he hooked us up, and obviously Dean from DNL Events. We we are very mm. thankful to them, and yep. obviously Lee's of Palmerbet, and that's our sponsor. And when uh, gambling, please do so responsibly. And when listening to this, do so ever so responsibly, because if you don't do it responsibly and you do it unresponsibly, you can get butthurt about it. So hey, Mako Shark, it's quite uh, funny. Just before we go on, I'd like to say out there, mate, I, I assume Michael Zarafa himself wouldn't be listening to this because why would you, mate? Mm. But listen, he got very upset about a comment about his suit. So potentially we are living rent-free in that head. So if you are listening to this, Michael Zarafa, come on the pod, mate. I'm happy to have you on. We can talk about it like fucking civilised adults. Um, yeah. I'm happy to have you. We can chat about it because, listen, I actually got nothing against you as a, as a fighter. As I said, I respect what you did. Fantastic. Come on. We'll have a chat, but that's up to you, mate. It's up to you. Yeah. And uh, good, yeah. Come on, the, let's push on. Maybe have a little debate, have a Zarafa Mako Shark debate, and I'm go. Uh, yeah, I reckon he'll beat you in any topic. But anyway, hey, um, what what an event though to be invited to. As a great to be back out. Melbourne's open, the world's open. It's just good to be at a fucking a, a location like we were ringside to see because mm. we've been to a lot of combat. I, I've never been lucky enough to sit ringside. I'll tell you right now. The shots ringside compared to when you're a little bit back. Oh my goodness, Mako. Mm. Some even the earlier hey, fights, some of those liver shots and God knows. So only respect for all people that go and do it, because it's actually sickening. It's actually a fucking sickening. It is, mate. Gig. You but we had a great close. time. We 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 had, we met we met and networked with beautiful, beautiful night, beautiful people. We had just a good time. Um and even that moment, that that's fine. We still had a great time. So thank 100%. you to everyone that had us. Um we look forward to many more of those. Uh, events and you know further further you know building the podcast and obviously we're australia's but we're going to be the world so hey moving uh, on right because i want to get into something positive okay let's not quite move on though let's give a quick shout out Mm. world title sugar necks she won the world title last night against her uh was it melissa fucking something can't remember her name yeah. from Mexico, the world champ. Yeah. Yep. Sugar Necks, she did it. Gave a great account Mate. of herself, the Mexican Gave girl, a too. Great, yeah, it was a great fight. It was a long, hard fight. Went the full distance. I think that was the actual fight of the night for mine. It was. It was a ripping fight. And uh, we. I thought, you know, some people take it for granted. Oh, no, Sugar's going to win. Sugar's going to win. But, mate, a lot of work went into it, a lot of uh, heart, mm. a lot of determination, a lot of effort went in. And she put on a great showing for herself. So, look, hopefully we'll have her on the pod at some point because we're big fans of her work. And hopefully our uh, little stash there with Michael Zarafa and that doesn't uh, detract from any of that. Because well, it's got nothing to do with uh, it shouldn't our do. I hope not. I hope not. Her, we're, all, so. uh, we're good guys here on the pod. We're nice guys. We uh, we respect talent when we see it. And she is one of the greats in uh, – well, she's, not, she's New Zealand, but also in Australia as well. So, she's representing both. And it's – Fucking great to see. Yeah. It's a world champion, good, good, so we love to see shout. it. Well done, Sugar. Good shout. Great work. Hey, whilst good, good shout there, Mako Shark. Uh, good, good finish to that little segment. Um, hey, uh, big, big world title, heavyweight world title. Does it the heavyweight world title fights do get the they get the juices flowing? Doesn't matter who it is. It's like the big time heavyweight fights are always exciting. Um, the build up's always good. This build up's been less good, but today was was good because they got together for the first time face-to-face, mm. and I'm talking of uh, Tyson Fury and Dillian White. And, look, uh, after all the bullshit and the no-shows, they actually they, – they, they, you can tell they respect each other. Two English yeah. guys, um, both sort of similar age men, uh, both, you know, not had easy upbringings and, and both are fighting men. So I, I actually think it's going to be – I've got a feeling it's going to be a war this, this week. I, I don't think it's going to be as um, – I don't think it's going to be as – Straight up and down. I think this this is Dillian White's biggest opportunity, and he's complained about the twelve million dollar 
um, or the $8 million, whatever it is, and he's complained. So if he wants more, uh, he's going to have to win. So I think this is his absolute – This will, if he doesn't go out and give his absolute best account, well, he, he's an idiot because this is this is his time. Tyson Fury is going to retire, take the belt off him, retire him. You can then say you retired him. It's, it, mate, it's set up to be – something spectacular. And on the other hand, Tyson Fury retiring, he's not going to come out and have a bad performance. So I think my early prediction is this could be a contender for fight of the year. Interesting. Nice tip. Yeah. Look, you're yeah. a big Tyson Fury man. I know you get the uh, the poo nerves each time he fights and you get a little bit nervous that this could be the time that uh, the wheels come I had off. Him but... for, you know how I just back to the head split? I had, it, I, had it, I had poo nerves watching him last night too. So yeah. that's how I know I like a bloke as a fighter. Yeah, we got I was nervous. Invested, I had the butterflies. Yeah. yeah, the butterflies. I didn't actually enjoy it because I, I felt like I was invested. And that's what I'll be like on the couch. 6 a.m. Sunday morning, Mako Show. How do you see it happening? Look, I saw the uh, the press conference was nice. As you said, they, a bit of, you can tell there's a lot of respect going on. There's not much shook trash hands. talking, really. They shook hands. A little no. bit of tickle, tickle, tickle there from Tyson Fury. Yeah. That was cute. <laughs> that was cute. I just... I buy into the hype. I think Tyson Fury, there's levels to this shit. As everyone says about every combat sport, there's levels to this shit. I still feel Tyson Fury is a level above. You're dealing no, he, with he definitely is, but I, sometimes is. people can I rise to the occasion. I just feel like he'll get the job done. He's just too slick. He's yeah. just too good. He's too big. He He's definitely... too fast. He's too yeah. bald. He's too fucking gypsy. I've been waiting, Mako, for a fucking dress-up party you since could just before COVID. Oh. I will go. I would go and do that badly. You got no you've idea. You've got to speak like him the whole night. Oh, you big Doss. I'll be. I'll be singing. Yeah, be singing. Dossier. Um, what does he sing? He sings that that Neil Diamond touching me, touching you, sweet. <laughs> Just sing the whole night, Carolina. sweet. Yeah, ba, 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 ba. Just Cause fucking cause sing the whole night. So good. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah, I'll be doing sweet that. Matthew and then I'd be on my back doing abs. I'd be doing abs. Go and break him. Go on, break, break him, Big John. Yep. Break him, Big John. And I can quickly yeah, jump doing... in the gym, get ripped, and I can come as Tommy Fury. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, you got to cut your hair. Oh, we can't do that then. Fuck off. No, no. But uh, yeah, no, so anyway. you as a Tyson Fury, that'd be great. Me as Tyson, you might you might shave your head and come as John Fury. I'd love that. I'd love that. <laughs> He's fucked. You see him today? You know, he got the fuck punch on with the bloke's dad. He's a unit. He's I saw him fucking... walk up the stairs a little bit quicker than usual. And I looked at him and I said, all right, then we're going, are we? And I saw the way he looked, your little pitter-patter up the stairs. And then, he, and then he actually he actually stood in front of Tyson Fury and his son, because you know this is the first time he's seen his son fight in, like, forever. Because he's not yeah, let out of the country. Left out of the country, prison. yeah. So, like, every, the memes are unbelievable because he's, right, so yeah. he's so overexcited. He's so overexcited. And even today, he's like, oh, he's a fighting man. He gets that from me. He goes, he goes, uh, generations of breeding has led us to young Tyson. It's just like he just—he always <laughs> builds himself into it. Like he gets it from me. Yeah, he's a face. He's cra- I'll know. never forget his quote on that fucking Jake Paul press conference. So I don't know if we should say it on the pod, but geez, it was funny. He's, he's off his head, it. John Fury. He's off his fucking head. He is off his head. He's a strange man, but a great man. And and that whole camp are weird because they're always topless. <laughs> Only one of them should be topless. The rest of them should be putting on layers. Correct. So, um, yeah, I think I look. I think Tyson Fury will win. I just think it, it'll be a little bit. It'll be. It'll be. There'll be. There'll be some opportunities for the other fellow to put him on the back foot. Yeah. Like oh, uh, I agree. I agree. And, and I think that it could be with what it's what's at stake. Retirers, you know, never lost champion, won every belt versus a man trying to always get there, never had an opportunity properly, and now he's there. 
He's butthurt about his pay, even though it's $8 million guaranteed. And he could then win and then take over, you know, and then get those $20 million fights. So there's a lot at stake, and I look forward to it. Tommy Fury on the undercard, too, for those playing at home. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be uh, look, it'll be it'll be disappointing to see our man Tyson retire, but on the other hand, it's also great. Like if he can get this win and then just sail off under the sunset, mate. What else have you got to prove? You've you done know, it he's all. Undefeated. He said it again today just, too. Yeah, uh, look, everyone always goes, "Oh yeah, no, you'll be back." But yeah, hopefully, he actually, but he, he might do the uh, the exhibition bouts and things like that. But he was still making. Still like think he probably dollars. thinks he might get that Francis Ngannou fight potentially maybe next year. So that's a chance. Yeah. That's a chance. We'll so that that's but, exciting. That that's happening this weekend. What else is happening this weekend, Mako Shark? That we're excited for Sunday, mate. It's a big day of fights. Sunday, isn't it? We got a lot on. We got the Tyson Fury. It's early for people at home. It's early, six seven in the morning. Three a.m. The card starts. Oh, Jesus Christ, forget that. But everyone at home will be aware of what's coming up this week. Friend of the pod, Maddie, one of our inaugural yes. guests. She was early on. She knew good boys when she, she saw gave them us a, early. She gave us a chance and gave us a great interview. We loved it. Fucking oh, she did. And we spoke all about this potentially happening this year, and it's she... coming to fruition. Our girl, Anger Fist, Arlene Blenkow, has got the fight. She's got the rematch that we were all hoping for against Cyborg, the absolute phenom Cyborg. And we're hoping it's going to come our way this week, Maddie. Arlene, she's so had we're the, hoping, uh, Mako Shark, and I'd like you to put your yeah. She's had, had a good it. camp. She looks fit. She looks really she looks healthy, fucking, really fit, really ready. good headspace. I reckon. Yeah. I don't know much about what's going on, but I reckon that she's probably this is like she's got herself as good a good a nick and a better head. She's got her family over with her. She just seems in yep. like the best space and. It's almost like everything's fallen into line for her for this fight. I haven't seen anything to do with the cyborg camp. So, like, Fuck. I'm just saying that from looking Cyborg. at one. But Cyborg can get in the bin. We're yeah. um, we're Team Arlene, and we're um, it's on 10 Play for those playing at home too for free. For those in Australia, 10 Play live streaming on uh, Sunday from Hawaii. I've been watching the stories, Arlene. You've been out on the beach sunning yourself. It looks like it's just fantastic. Paradise over there in Hawaii. So you're not going to get a better preparation. But as she said in the first fight, she's taken the lessons. She's figured out where she went wrong. She got punched in the face and the game plan went out the window, which look, happens to the best of us. Happens. So this time, I reckon she's prepared. I reckon she knows where she's got to go to. She's got to dig down deep because it's not going to be easy. You're not going to beat Cyborg easy, let's be honest. But uh, <laughs> yeah. our girl, she's a friend of the pod and we love our, our podcast guests, mate. And this is one of the biggest we've had, a world title fight. So... Geez, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this. This is this is this is all Australia should be excited. And if you're listening to this podcast, go over to her Instagram, like and follow her, get around her, put some stories up, show her some love. She's a great yep. human, um, great chat, great everything. So we we wanted to win this because this is that you can tell it's a goal. It's really like she's worked her whole yep. life for this. And I think if yep. anyone is deserving of having their best performance on a day when it matters most. It's this. It's this fight for her, and I really hope that she, uh, she can. Everything works well for her. Everything goes to plan, and you know she she 100%, has. Mate. And no matter the outcome, no matter the outcome, mate, she's done us all proud. Australia's behind. We'll you. get her. Don't worry. We're set. We're true to our word. We'll have her back on regardless too, because regardless. you know. We, but we're we, going like, to have her. She's going to have that belt on strap the shoulder on. back on this pod, mate. You fucking bank on it. Come I'm banking on. on it. Have you got some odds? Got any Palmer bet odds for me Shit. for that fight? I haven't. I haven't. Do you I'll want me to get it. them? Or are you? I'll filibuster. I'll do it. You want me to filibuster yeah, you... while you whip up the odds? 
Yeah, I've got not much to filibuster with, but um, if you haven't, well, tell us about um, tell us about Hawaii. Where are they fighting? What's the temperature over there at that time? Oh, mate, it's going to be a balmy thirty-two degrees, isn't it? Surely, mate. mate. The the golden plains of fucking Hawaii, the volcanic islands. I want to get down there one day, Matty. I want to get over. There's a uh, there's a, an observatory up on a volcano in Hawaii called the Keck Observatory. If you're out there at home, you haven't uh, googled this before. It's it's a very high mountain. It's a volcano. It's up above the clouds, one of the biggest observatories on the planet. You're above the fucking clouds. It's the apparently the best spot on Earth to look at the stars, Maddie. And it's it's unbelievable. Google it. I reckon I'm the best place there. on Earth to look at the stars is Lee Madden's property in Bonnie Doon, listening to Earthless. Yeah, that was also good. Remember that? When you get a nice clear night out in Bonnie Doon, you can see all the way into the universe. But Earthless. Get to hey, the, do you want to know what she's curtain. paying? Do you want to, yeah, want to pay your mortgage off? Do you want to pay your mortgage off? Do you want to pay your mortgage off? I want to go to the observatory, but yeah, I'll pay the mortgage as well. Well, she's paying $6. Oh, shit. Get yeah. on. Juicy. Get on. <laughs> this is mortgage. This is this is living. Uh, this is what I'll tell you. Whatever you got in your bank account, put it on her, but do so That's... responsibly. Look, we love Palmerbet. <laughs> That's disrespectful at six. It's disrespectful yeah, odds. Well, it's, it's, it's what we this is what we call we call this the mortgage the mortgage ruiner, don't we? Because this is this ruins banks and mortgages this this type of value. And if you take advantage of it, yeah, get on the six. I took advantage of it with uh, with Aljo at four eighty. Exactly, it's not just a week of. ago. I no, reckon you, you, people that most people that are value. Paying, haven't listened to the pod, so they haven't heard the story. They don't know what's going on. People She's that not have scared of her. How is she not scared of her, by the way? It's the most that, – that is the actual – that's the feather in any fighter's cap to not be feared of the mo- – to not be fearful of the most feared fighter. She doesn't give Mate, a shit about her. She's not scared of her. I was fucking scared of Michael Zarafa last night. I'll tell you, I'd be scared of fucking Cyborg. Jesus Christ. Well, she so, should be. He's a professional fighter. To get in the ring with uh, Cyborg is just nothing but guts, determination, and skill. So – if we want to roll this multi, though, Maddie, six bucks, Arlene, jump on, and we've got another Aussie fighting this weekend, Maddie, on Sunday. Yeah, we're going to call it the uh, the Aussie Daily Double, the Daily Double, fighting on the uh, the other promotion, the UFC. You might have heard of it. We've got the man himself returning after a few years out, Tyson Pedro, the big fella. He is back. Yep. Been a long time coming. Many a injury, many a hard road for him. He's finally got back. He's uh, he's almost the forgotten man of this division. He's a fucking bad, bad man. If you've been watching some highlights during the week that they've been putting up, he he's a fucking serious weapon. He's been smashing serious blokes. Weapon. So uh, look for him to come back and come back strong this week in the UFC. He's fighting on the prelims of the UFC this week, so it'll be an early one as well. You might be able to watch Tyson Fury, <laughs> and you might be able to watch Tyson Pedro. A couple of Tysons, Matty. Maybe chuck on some Mike Tyson and just uh, have a nice little well, Sunday. I'll, and then Arlene in the Arvo. So it's a fucking good day Sunday. You're getting, uh, $7, you're getting $7.24. For the double? Yep. Money for jam. Who the fuck? Money, money for, for jam. jam. And so please, about it. you know, thanks to Palmerbet for being our sponsor. Great, great people at Palmerbet. And please, when listening to any of our punting advice or non-advice, just do so responsibly, please. And uh, be an adult yeah. about it, is all we say. Don't Love spend it. money you haven't got, Mako Shark. Never. Don't do it. Be responsible. So, we've, yeah, um, I've got nothing really else. I, I've really enjoyed this episode. The chat with uh, with our man, the absolute – uh, I like I liked him a lot. 
I liked meeting him. He was exactly how you would want him to be, down-to-earth bloke, great friends around him, just really inviting people. Mm-hmm. They could have told us to get fucked, but they didn't. They loved us, and we love them. So I appreciate uh, both having beers last night and appreciate him giving up 51 minutes mm. on his Thursday night to come on and chat with us and uh, be so sort None of better. open and point. So I've got nothing else, Mako Shark. Uh, I'll hand it over to you. Have a great weekend, matey, and, um, hey, I'll speak to you. Yeah, thank you, Matthew Crooks, uh, Matty C, my man. But, uh, yeah, as you said, big shout-out to Jimmy Crew. You're a fucking champion. Couldn't be more grateful for you coming on the pod and giving us your time. Everyone at home is going to love it. Uh, everyone at home, yeah, as you said, Arlene Blanco fighting, Tyson Pedro fighting, the Aussies, just get behind them. That's what we're about on this pod. We're all about Aussies just conquering the world, conquering the podcast. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't mean all. to sort of gloss over the UFC, did we? But we just, like, there's no point. Wow. There's the Aussies no on point. there. We talk, we spoke about it. But it's Arlene's weekend. This is why we, we put it's the Arlene's time into Arlene. Weekend, it's Arlene's weekend. Not, and Tyson's yeah. come back. Sorry. It's all happening. All right, Matty. Yeah. So that's about it. Let's wrap it up, guys. Australia's Hottest Podcast, signing off, episode 26. Love you all. And if you're out there, gamble responsibly. And while you're at it, bloody root me. See you, mate. What the fuck is that guy?